Let's talk a bunch of different topics. How her career get there. This is a podcast with Lauren Ascari. This is the Lauren Asgari podcast, How'd Her Career Get There? And my guest today is Annette Walter, the owner of iEvolve Consulting and the owner of Timber Industries. Welcome. Hi, how are you? Thank it's, you for having me. Absolutely. I'm thrilled to be here in your gorgeous office. Thank you. We are very excited about our new office. So let's um, let's jump right into it. For starters, go into what is iEvolve Consulting? Okay, we can start there. That's a great place to start. So iEvolve Consulting is a strategic planning company and operational strategy firm that offers consulting in the day-to-day for business owners and also business coaching for business owners and people that are looking to get out of their own way, who are swirling or stuck and looking to transition and propel to the next level. So I do a lot of career coaching, career transition coaching. Um, I do a lot of work with business owners, whether they are going into a startup mode, in startup mode, or uh, in any industry really up to about 50 million, and that is on the national scale. And then what is, I'm going to set the table here and then we'll go back to how you got to your current uh, companies, but Mm -hmm. what is Timber Industries? Timber Industries is a national, 100% woman-owned lumber company. We sell to the Fortune 500 companies and um, smaller private and government sector, um, different industries including pharmaceuticals, uh, plastic companies, food and beverage, um, various manufacturing companies across the United States, and we sell pallets and crane mats and crating and dimensional lumber. So I'm going to go backwards to Annette when she was a little girl. Where are you from? The Maryland area? Yes. Siblings? Born and raised Baltimore, hon. <laughs> and only child? Siblings? No, older sister and a younger brother. Okay. We're all, we're all six years apart. Okay. okay. Yes. So you're the middle child. Absolutely. Okay. So what was, what was your childhood like? My childhood was great. It was it was really wonderful because each child had their own individual time to grow. So you really felt like you had mom and dad all to yourself, which was nice. Um, and it was, I had a fabulous group of friends that really, we had been together since grade school all the way through high school and through various rec councils and schools and, and just um, this Baltimore community. It just was always really nice to be surrounded by such amazing people. And did you, uh, did you go to college around here? I went to college in Winter Park, Florida, Rollins College, small liberal arts school, and I majored in Spanish and minored in business. I was hoping to go for an international business major, but I fell in love with Rollins because it was the first school that my parents showed me. <laughs> They're a mistake. <laughs> and, um, and, and I just fell in love with it. So I just kind of made up my own kind of major. <laughs> so major, so are you fluent in Spanish? I am. I, 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 well, I should say I was. Okay. I don't get to practice that often. Uh, I do get to practice it sometimes, especially, you know, after a margarita or two. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I, I can completely understand it. But I think it's just sometimes, you know, regaining the confidence to dust off the, the rust. Right. So. And when you were, what, uh, what made you interested in going to school for international business, even though you ended up 
not doing that, but what was your draw to that? I wanted to get into in, importing and exporting originally. I really liked uh, commerce and trade and uh, just business in general. I was raised by an entrepreneur and I just think it's in my blood. So I really always identified with business, finance, and all aspects of business. Something just always clicked for me and it just came naturally. So I was intrigued by that. And I did want to start study abroad. I knew that going into college, that was an important thing for me. So that's the route that I took. And when you were a little girl, what did you want to be? Like when you were, I don't know, eight years old, did you were like, oh. I want to be a business girl when I grow up? Oh, so this is funny. I actually did. Isn't that <laughs> weird? <laughs> so remember those little things that you would use with your hands and it would, you would pick a number and you would open it and close yeah, it and well, open it and close tell, it. Like, yes. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. And you had the different, um, you know, careers you could pick. I, um, I told my friend, Jolie, actually, that I wanted to be self-employed. That was, that was one of the jobs. She's like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I said, self-employed. <laughs> she actually told me that story the other day. I didn't remember it. She did. And I just thought it was hysterical because, um, I don't know, just something because it's all I knew seeing, you know, seeing raised by, you know, entrepreneurs. So yeah. Yeah. what was, uh, what business were your parents in? So my father was actually in the gas station business and in the bar restaurant business and various businesses in between. He didn't go to college. He waved to all his friends as they were kind of, you know, playing lacrosse and off to college. And uh, he just started hustling. And to this day, he'll actually be 80 this year. And he still works seven days a week on his feet because he loves it. It's his hobby. And he really finds passion in the people that he works with and, and his, his customers. And was your mom a working mom? Moms are always working, so let me yes, rephrase that. Yes, absolutely. A, a nine-to-five job? or So she was involved in the business. Um, she was absolutely there every second of my childhood, um, but she and she was involved in the business and helped my dad. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. What do you, so you mentioned that your dad is 80 years old and still working and mm-hmm. obviously had that work mm-hmm. ethic throughout his life. Mm-hmm. What do you, what's your perspective on, I know, I always air quote this, work-life balance? Well, I think if you did ask him, I think that he would probably reflect and know that he was there for the big moments and a lot of the moments and um, would always try and be there for the sports and the games and all the extracurricular activities. But at the end of the day, he worked long hours and it really is sometimes what you need to do when you are the owner and wear the hat. And um, I do think, though, what I have taken from him, as I have seen that, is that I do want to be around more and as present as I can with my kids. And I think that that's a common thing that women and men feel with working and not wanting to miss out on on every single moment mm-hmm. of your children's lives. And it's something that you really have to be aware of, especially with technology these days and how it's so consuming for us and for them. But I really do take that from him. And he, he and I have actually talked about it. He said, you know, I, I wish I was kind of there a little bit more. And I said, Dad, you were there. You know, you were there for the pep talks. You were there for the tears. You were there for the moments. And, um, you know, he's, he's my hero. He's my inspiration. And I do just take a lot of what he's taught me along. What do you think if there was one 
uh, if there was one thing that you feel you noticeably learned from your parents individually, like from your mom and from your dad, and like what 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 was that? Well, I think that with my mom who passed three years ago, um, and I miss terribly. I I honestly, she was very happy and lighthearted, and uh, really was always in the moment, and just wanted to have fun and. And I think that was important. You know, she she would be the mom on the water slide. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we went to Jamaica for a wedding, and you know, this was only probably about seven years ago, and she was right there on the water slide. So, um, you know, I think that just that fun and that lightheartedness and enjoying the moment. And they had always said to me, both of them in sync had said, you know, don't put too much pressure on yourself. You know, and that's their approach that they took with sports. I played sports through high school. I didn't play in college. But they always just said, don't put too much pressure on yourself. If you're not having fun, don't do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What would uh, what sports did you play in high school? Field hockey and lacrosse and soccer. What was your favorite? Basketball, favorite? too, but I was terrible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least you're playing. <laughs> I think I just wanted the white hot to- high tops. <laughs> well, My friend Gretchen and I, we were on the C team. It was pretty fun. <laughs> <laughs> but you got the fresh kicks. Yes. So that's what matters. Yes. What was your favorite sport of those? Of those, I really liked lacrosse. Okay. I did. Yeah. It, it was just, it's fun. And I think that it, it the team dynamic, you always learn so much from. And going to an all-girls school growing up, we were very close. And even if you weren't on the team, it was a close, smaller class in that everybody supported each other or would go through, um, you know, the different different events that the school had and traditions that the school had. So. Yeah together. Mm-hmm. So you go to college, you major in Spanish, mm-hmm. and then you graduate and you say, I'm going to go do what? And you're in Florida. I'm in Florida, yes. And um, well, there was some rules too. So dad said, uh, you get four years and you have to graduate with a job. <laughs> and I said, okay, got it. And I was the senior in uh, college that was at the Career Center, interviewing for every opportunity. I ended up taking a job in banking that transplanted me to Birmingham, Alabama, July 1st, 1999, which was right after, I mean, 1995, uh, actually 1999, college years, which was um, right after we'd graduated. So, you know, I didn't go to New York or San Diego or Ocean City right. for the for the, for the the uh, summer. I went right to work, and I went through a management training program that you were selected for. It was 40 people that went through. Some people had their MBAs. Some people had just gotten out of the military. And uh, there was a program where you went through and learned commercial, consumer, trust, and operations. So I learned everything about banking, ins and outs. And it was a smaller bank, so you would do your case studies and your presentations to their actual board. So we would go all the way to the tippy top of the building in Birmingham, Alabama, which is a small town or city, and we would present in front of the board and practice all of these different um, types of pitches and um, make up companies and ask for funding and see how they worked. And it was just a great experience. Do you remember at that age being intimidated by that? It's funny you ask that because I was really thinking about that the other day. And I don't, because going back to dad's advice, one thing that he has always said to me is, you know, everybody's 
everybody's the same. At the end of the day, we all put our pants on the same way every day, Mm -hmm. one leg at a time. And he said, just go in and be yourself and don't worry about it. So I think I always had that in the back of my head. And there was one woman on the board at the time. And I remember her um, just giving us really like good tips. And at the time in banking, this was when you had to wear nylons, okay? Uh, or stockings or whatever you call them. I don't know if you still do because I'm you know, not in the day-to-day banking. But I remember her saying like all these shopping tips about how to you know, dress in, in the professional world. She's like, just buy 20 packs of nylons because they will always run and rip and always have them handy. And I just, I just remember feeling at home with them, not at home, but, but comfortable with them mm-hmm. and having those conversations. And that was probably a lot of them and the program and how it was set up as well. Right, right. Where did you, how long were you there? I was there for six months. The program was set up where you basically got to choose what geographic location you wanted to work in and what area of banking you wanted to go into. At the time, my mom had moved down to um, Kissimmee to Celebration, Florida, and I I wanted to go back to that area to be with her and my brother, and I chose to go into mortgage banking because I liked um, dealing with the customer and the client. I liked that aspect of banking. I didn't necessarily want to be in a branch, though, and working at, um, in a bank branch. And I did like the entrepreneurial side of mortgage banking. And at that time, this was pre-refinance boom, uh, I really had the opportunity to learn and understand everything about mortgage banking. And then where did you go after that? So in 2001, I called my dad and said, I'm done in Florida. I'm not going to raise a family here. Pick me up. (laughs) (laughs) And he did. And I, I went back to Baltimore and... I took that opportunity in January of 2001 to interview with every type of company, pharmaceutical companies, banks, uh, recruiting. I almost went into recruiting. And I really wanted to explore what else was out there. And I knew that I wanted to be a working mom. I don't know why I knew that. I just always had that in me. Um, Or I just had that on my mind. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. I wanted to really be able to find something I didn't have kids yet then, but I wanted to be able to find something that would be a good setup for that in the future. So I ended up um, at SunTrust Bank, Mm -hmm. 2001 to 2007, and I partnered up with a gentleman who had a book of business but didn't have a marketing and sales assistant. And I had the marketing and sales um, kind of... I guess, criteria and skill set. Mm -hmm. So I actually started as his assistant and we survived the refinance boom. And this, at at that time, SunTrust was doing all a paper, solid loans, you know, not, not any of like the kind of stuff Stuff that was really happening. Um, We had a great um, book of business and a great, great clients that we were able to help. And I started off as his assistant And then in 2004, I said, you know what, I need my wings and fly. And he said, you're not getting your wings, you're not going anywhere. And we partnered up. And we became one of the first branded uh, partnerships. Like in real estate, residential real estate, you see a lot of branded uh, teams. We became one of the first branded mortgage teams in this area. 
Mm-hmm. So you made it through the 08-09. Well, this is still... So this is 2001 to 2004. Okay. So 2004, we branded. It was actually the year I had gotten married. And then um, in 2007... Actually, in 2006, July 2006 was when we really started talking about our next venture. And that, so what was that? What were you moving on from there? So we um, wanted to start our own firm. So in 2006, we partnered up with six other partners. and So you're under the SunTrust umbrella, and then you decide, hey, we want to do this on our own with our own firm. No, we actually left SunTrust in January of 2007. Okay. With no crystal ball. Okay. No crystal ball at all. So our timing was horrific. Right. So me and... Seven other business partners, all male business partners, um, ranging from, I was 30 at the time, up to, I guess, maybe 65, 64, I'm not sure how old, Um, but of various ages, and um, I was the only female partner, and we started a full-service residential real estate firm that had a residential real estate mortgage title, homeowners insurance, and financial planning all under one roof. It was modeled after the... Blue Ocean strategy mm-hmm. of taking real estate and doing it differently. And we started off with 35 people on day one and one location, and we grew it to 300 plus people and close to 20 million in revenue in 17 locations by 2012. Wow. And weathered that storm. Wow. Yes. So that so you survived through the 08, 09. Yes. yes. And still Painfully. came out on the other side. Painfully. Surviving, number one, and then number two picked up growth after that. Yes. And we, I was actually, at the time, I had shifted from uh, running the mortgage division to running all of the companies. The, um, I was the chief operating officer of the umbrella company. So we were basically um, building infrastructure and outgrowing it, building infrastructure and outgrowing it. So this is where a lot of my operational skills, real life skills came into play. Um, and it was, it was cash flow management. It was designing uh, a unique opportunity and culture that people would come to. It was taking care of your employees and your clients, everything and anything, really weathering uh, a storm that you didn't know when it was going to end. And so then, what is your perspective on partnerships? <laughs> it's an open-ended, broad question. I still love all my business partners to this day, and I'm grateful for that opportunity that I had. But I will never have a business partner ever again in my life. <laughs> <laughs> that even accounts for today. Sean, my husband, is not my business partner. <laughs> Everything here is 100% woman-owned and owned. Um, so and, the- and he's okay with that. My husband's okay with that, too. Yeah. But, he, but you know, it just... I. You live and learn. This is the, so. So, what's some some of your thought process on that? Meaning, the approach to business being, hey, the I'm air quoting benefit of having a partner is either to make up for your blind spot. I think that there's a lot of that in partnerships, and every partnership is different. I coach a lot of partnerships, and I see the dynamics, um, and I see a lot that work very, very well. When you have that many, and we took what we did in retrospect is. We took all producers, okay, so these are people that were producers, uh, not necessarily business owners, and this is a 
commonality that happens. You know, you have the plumber that automatically puts on the, the business owner hat. And you have the, um, the carpenter that puts on the, the business owner hat. So I think that, and we had an economy that we did not understand. I mean, nobody, everybody was just blown away by what was happening and the news that was hitting. So I don't want to take you off track, but I have to ask this for anybody that maybe wasn't around in 08 or 09 mm-hmm. to understand what the economy was doing. Mm-hmm. How would you describe it? Like for people that are, you know, under what, 31, maybe like they never experienced right. that shift. So the economy had basically crashed um, into a recession. If you're. I mean, the stock the stock market was down severely, and there were institutions, banking institutions in particular, like Bear Stearns, that were completely just closing. So at that time, we were set up as an actual mortgage brokerage. So some of these people that we were actually sourcing business to at the time, we would be like, have you know, they would go out of business, and it was just unfathomable. So it was historic news, uh, and. I think something that should be in everybody's rearview mirror, and and something that you survive, but it was a terrible economy. How did you come out on the other side of it? Like, what did you guys do that allowed you to come out on the other side, and then be able to? I don't want to say necessarily springboard, but you had growth after that. Well, we ran two strategies at the same time. The one was constant growth. In a bad market, people will make a change. People are more apt to make a change. So we were trying to invite the strong talent over. And uh, we were very protective of our talent and our client base. I'm sorry, and our employee base. Um, But at the same time, behind the scenes, we were talking to uh, suitors and talking to investors, talking to people looking for a buyer Mm -hmm. to help us out of it. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of that 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 dual strategy of, all right, well, if this thing turns around, we've got it going. And if not, then we've got a good partner that we can transition to. Gotcha. And what was, and I cut you off earlier when you're talking about uh, performers versus operators of business. Yes. So I, I, where I was headed with that, and this is really, I think, at what the heart of I Evolve Consulting is with a lot of things, is you know, you don't have to do everything. You really don't. And in the beginning, you do, and you learn it all, and you get through it all. But when I see business owners really propel is when they start to delegate and build around them because they should be focusing on the highest and best use of their time. And typically, that's what their practice is, what they're expert in. And oftentimes, I find people shift to being a business owner because they think it's the next best transition, and I'm sorry, transgression, and they end up really stuck and, and terrified and miserable um, until they really get that help or see that breakthrough. And I think that's why you see a lot of businesses fail within the first few years. Mm-hmm. What would you, if somebody is going from a, well, let me, let me I'm going to come back to that question later, actually. So how do you go from banking mortgages to pallets? Hmm. (laughs) Like, how do you get there in a very, I'm I'm imagining Timber Industries and pallets is a very male dominated. You and I have talked about that. Yes. Yes. How do you make that transition? Well, in 2009, I started working with a business coach and I joined a leadership group 
And I actually was am so grateful for that opportunity. And since then, I've always um, invested in personal development. It's really how I got through that chapter. And once we we so we were able to uh, sell part of the um, title company and the residential real estate firm to um, to Prudential Home Sale, and then it was bought by Berkshire Hathaway a few months later. A few yeah, a few months later. So that footprint that you see in the Baltimore area, that's the footprint that we grew. And um, at at that time, I had the option to stay as a five year earnout or take my chips off the table. And it was timed around the birth of my second son. And I just, I was really just done. I was spent. The ownership was too tangled at that time. Like I said, I love all my partners to this day, but it was just too messy and hairy. So I decided to opt out, not knowing what I was going to do. And um, from my group, uh, I was introduced to a woman that was running Timber Industries And she had had an unfortunate situation in her life where her father had passed um, very quickly and left her the company. And I think that in her own words, she would probably say as well that she didn't really, um, it wasn't her choice. It doesn't, no willingness, want, and desire to really run the company. And I looked at the company for about a year. I did about a year's worth of due diligence on the company to see what was working, what wasn't working, who the clients were, what the footprint was. Timber Industries is an 80-year-old wood pallet company at its roots, and it had a phenomenal um, level of integrity and a great client base and a good following. And it was basically cash flow management and, um, and relationships and sales with both the mills and the clients. And those were two things that I love and knew. I knew the operations and I knew kind of the sales side of thing. And I saw that there weren't a lot of women in that space. So I found that there would be a lot of opportunity. Uh, And this was really kind of prior to all of the, um, you know, just how kind of I think awesome and explosive women in business has been lately. Client base. And I liked that it was really that launch pad for growth. And it had the ability to keep the existing products that were already in place, the pallets, the crane mats, the dimensional lumber, and the crating in 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 process and grow that, that silo. And then it let, will lead and is leading to other divisions and other areas of growth. And that was luring. What type of, when you work with uh, your customers in that, is it international, national, huge, companies like what type of clients do you have and what other types of spaces if it's not giving away your secret sauce what other types of spaces are you going into so we work with various size companies at timber industries manufacturers and everything from you know if you just look at your cell phone we this this cell phone alone with the case and everything the battery it's probably hit and been on 11 different pallets through all the different parts, through the little plastic plastic pellets that are melted into the case. Those are the types of people we're selling pallets to. And that's what's intriguing about, about the business. And most of them are manufacturing facilities, so our most recent division is our industrial role. 
And basically in the manufacturing space, the industrial roles are needing to be replaced and re recovered. So that is an expansion and, and an addition to the different products um, that we have. And it's those types of opportunities that are really endless. And that's the exciting part about business. And now this thought just came to me. I would imagine that pallets, not to get in too much detail in your business, but that margins are probably tight mm -hmm. and that logistics mm -hmm. are very important and that operating that type of business, you would really have to be like on top of it from an operational logistics perspective. Absolutely. And that's where my team just shines. Danielle and our team is a rock star. We hear compliments from her, about her all of the time. And you're right, it is uh, our product comes down to pennies, pennies, a penny, and it's a commodity. So that's what I really you know, enjoy. Timber Industries is a commodity-based business, and I Evolve is a service-based business, so you mm -hmm. kind of get that fulfillment from both sides. So in the midst of me doing due diligence and um, analyzing the company to buy, um, a friend of mine had reached out to me on Facebook and he owns another local real estate brokerage firm here. And he said, you know what, Annette, I need some operational help. And I heard you're on the sidelines. Will you help me? I thought, well, yeah, sure. Of course I'll help you. He said, I need a chief operating officer. I don't want to hire one. I just need s some help. So we sat down and we had a couple coaching sessions. I remember sitting down with him and just looking at his calendar and saying, you know, why are you running checks to the bank? Why are you doing that? Who in front of you on your team without having to hire and spend money can do that for you? How can you work through the people in front of you? You know, what's the highest and best use of your time? Where do you want this to grow? What do you need to talk about? And he was actually purchasing building at the time, looking at financing. Um, and, you know, we just, we just talked about whatever was kind of on his mind. And he has done phenomenally well um, and has just created a great brand and market uh, in this area. And he referred me to one of his contacts. Uh, it was a marketing firm who referred me to a law firm who referred me to a restoration company. And from there, I Evolve Consulting started. And I remember sitting there and like drawing out the brand and, you know, had this little I and this E around it. And I just loved the word Evolve because it's what you have to do. I mean, regardless of what you're doing in life, it's really good to change and grow. And that's really where that started. So that was in 2011, and then 2013 hits, March 2013, signed the docs for Timber Industries. Now I have two companies. I'm like, okay, wait, <laughs> what now? So they both have been, um, iEvolve Consulting has really grown organically through the years, and it's, it, you know, I always describe it as, well, let me backtrack. At first I thought I had to pick one. You know, well, what am I doing here? You know, professional identity crisis. Like, right. okay, who am I now? I was in banking, then I went through this, you know, crazy storm. Um, and, you know, I, I took some professional kind of courage hits and confidence hits along the way. From knowing you, and I've noticed this from like maybe like the second or third time that I've met you, you, I feel like, are, are super good, more than, more than most people I've, I would say like top three people that I've ever met, at compartmentalizing like operationally from a business perspective, like you can very quickly like synthesize information, compartmentalize it, and then like move on to the next thing without 
dwelling overly, like whether you're giving advice or whether you're talking about your own businesses. And is that naturally who you are? Yes, it is. It is. I can shift gears pretty quickly. Yeah. You know, um, I call it like changing in the Wonder Woman booth. You know, I can, I can, my team laughs at me sometimes because I'll like come in in like my tennis clothes and then five seconds later I'll walk down like fully dressed <laughs> in like my high heels and they're like, okay, where are you going now? They're like, how, how are you able to do that? I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. But, and, and especially with when I have multiple clients um, from iEvolve that day, we dig in deep and dive deep into every aspect of their business. So to be able to go from one type of industry to the next, uh, it's, you know, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know. It's just who you are. It's yes. one of your gifts. I guess so. <laughs> Thank you. You're sweet. Um, if I'm going back to at any point in your career, what advice would you give yourself as um, just earlier in your career? And you can pick the point or the time or the advice, but looking back, what would you have told yourself? If anything, unless you nailed it all the way through, which maybe you did. And not so much that you regret it. No, I didn't nail it all the way through. (laughs) Not so much a regret, um, because I get like, well, I don't have any regrets because everything led me to where I am, but what piece of advice would you give yourself or do you have for other women uh, either earlier in their careers or making a career change? I think I would have turned it up sooner. Elaborate. You have to. I just think I would have turned it up sooner. I think that mine wasn't a fear of failure. Mine was a fear of success. What if I get too busy that I don't get to be with my kids? What if I get too busy because I, I know what it looks like in my head and where all this is going. And I just, I don't know if it was going through the professional confidence repair or that I had to do the work I had to do on myself. Um, uh, but I just, you know, I just think I would have turned it up sooner. And I've only turned it up, like, this much. I still got a lot to do. <laughs> I have that exact same, still kind of, that right. exact same, yeah, it's interesting you say that. It's, it's, I haven't met many people that have that. It's like, it's, no, I'm not afraid of, like, trying things or failing. I'm afraid of right. if I really, like, try and put everything into it, then... What does that mean for the for my family, right? And right. This, this this the sacrifice that like I, if probably some some level of sacrifice has to come somewhere if you're going to go all into something is my right. That's what gets me hung up. Right, and I think it's I think it's and once you do start or take that micro step, you realize and you always say to yourself, why 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 did this mm-hmm. take me so long? Seriously, mm-hmm. what was I what was I waiting? What was I worried about? You know, right. and I think that. It's okay to dream big and dream bigger than big, you know? And there's so many opportunities out there. There's so many resources out there. There's so many there's so much free information out there and so many creative ideas. A lot of times I see people thinking, "Oh, well, I can't get into that cuz that space is too saturated or somebody's already done that." But it that's not true, you know? There's going to be more people in the world by 2020 and more of those people, about a hundred percent of those people will be online. Mm-hmm. So if your business isn't online and you aren't, um, having some type of transactional business online, um, you know, it's something that you should really take a look at. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I went down that path, but no, but that makes sense. <laughs> no, we'll just turn it up and take advantage of, uh, the opportunities that mm-hmm. are in front of you, especially with the internet and this day and age. And, right. Yeah. Well, and not only that with my, I struggle with I evolve because I get so excited about helping people that 
I just want to serve more people. I want to help more people. And since it is a service-based business, you can't clone yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, there's only... scale. There's some scalability. Right. So that's something that I'm always constantly working on and thinking about. And there are ways to do that with technology these mm-hmm. days. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. What would you... Uh, mentors in your career, did you have any? What were some things that you learned from them? Yes. So I've ha- I have been blessed to be by or be surrounded by amazing people throughout my entire career. And I have had the opportunity to be myself and well, you know what? Sometimes I feel like I was a different professional self like 10 years ago than I am now completely. And how that's a that's a whole other podcast. Yeah, how, so? <laughs> how so? I just feel like back in like I guess in the the banking and and um, the Strata days, which was the former uh, company, I just felt like I was so serious. You know what I mean? Like I just I feel like I had to be this like hardcore like businesswoman persona persona, and I just I'm having some trouble. Like I can imagine you doing that, but yeah, like you're so carefree that it's kind of like... yeah. I've cha- I've changed a lot, <laughs> and because I'm really like I'm I because I'm where I should be. You know what I mean? I I finally feel like I am where I should be, and so I had a few. So um, there was a gentleman when I moved to Orlando after Alabama. There was a gentleman that was my first boss. And I remember going in and um, having to quit because I was moving back to Baltimore. And he was just so laid back and down to earth. And he said, you're going to do great. Like, I'll still be here and everything's going to be okay. And, you know, I'm glad that I got to be like your first manager and your first boss. And he was just so easy to talk to, so supportive and kind. And I often think that if I'm back in Orlando, because my brother still lives down there, that I'd like to look him up and, and just say, hey, thanks. You know, mm-hmm. like, thanks. Like, you were awesome. You were so cool and just a great person to, like, have as a first boss. He wasn't mean or strict or anything like that. I, you know, and I was in my nylons, remember, in, right. in, in Orlando in August in the heat. It's terrible. <laughs> um, and then um, I've had uh, my... Partners, my partner mainly um, at SunTrust, he was a, we always joke around that he's my work husband and I've had a lot of good work husbands in, in my in my career and I think that it's just so important to, to appreciate how hard men work out there and, um, you know, especially how, how much they the stress that they go through mm-hmm. with a lot of the pressures, um, with providing for the families and a lot of the different things that if they are the main provider. Um, but you know, I just, I just, I have a whole appreciation for, um, the awesome men out there that do, that do and have always supported women through careers. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of good ones out there. They aren't talked about, um, because, you know, obviously the bad ones have polluted um, it. But, you know, I think that I feel bad for those guys that have been slighted because the, I, I'm so grateful for the awesome work husbands that I have had in my mm-hmm. career and that have supported me. What would you, um, somebody who's earlier in their career now, if they, I hate to say like if they're looking for a mentor, but what, but what advice, like practical advice do you have to somebody who maybe maybe in their office they're not naturally seeing somebody that they're drawn to that they feel they can learn from? Like, how do they go about getting exposure to, like, a mentor or ways to nav- help somebody to help navigate their career? I mean, all you have to do is ask for help. That's all you have to do. That's simple. 
It's that simple. And even if, you know, a lot of people right now are following people on Instagram or LinkedIn or Facebook, all you have to do is message the person and ask for help. You know, just say, I just wanted to ask you this question or ask for help. If the person doesn't help, they're not the right mentor. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, or they, you know, if they're too busy, that's, that's their problem, not yours. Just find somebody that can help you. I think that, um, you know, people get so hung up on, oh, I need a mentor. I think that you should always invest in yourself to grow professionally and personally, whether that be through either, I don't know, um, you know, having a coach or even if you go to therapy or, or whatever it is, but that self-improvement and a part of self-care is, is very, very important. What do you, uh, what have you noticed has worked well for you throughout your career in terms of the self-care or self-improvement piece? I think that exercise, you know, is, a, is always a priority. And I think that if you, if you do what you love, it, it's okay, you know? Like, especially as a business, business owner, you don't turn it off. I think the only time we really turned it off, we just got back from a Disney cruise and there was no Wi-Fi. <laughs> So, like, we technically, like, turned it off. It was nice. Um, But really, you always have it, whether you're having creative thoughts or, you know, thinking about the business um, or whatever it is, you always have it out. But self-care, I did dedicate this year to self-care. Self-care, don't care. I love your nail Yeah, and I've been trying to go and get my nails done, which is, like, torture for me because I can't sit there that long. (laughs) (laughs) And I got, and and the hair. I had never, like, so I'm trying to do those types of things to, like, carve out time to actually go and just not put it off and, you know, focus on those types of things. Good for you. Good for you. Um, Yeah, my son picked out this color. Oh, yeah. Good taste. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Going into timber industries, a male-dominated industry, we'll say, what advice do you have or just, I don't I say advice, just your experience for women for whatever reason, um, whether they're in a male-dominated industry or a male-dominated office or whatever it is, like that might be intimidated about speaking up or raising their hand or any of that? I think that it's important to be humble. And I know that sounds cliche, but you have to respect and appreciate those around you who know the industry well. And you can't just show up and bang your chest and say, I'm here. You have to really learn and listen and figure out. I I studied the industry for a while, and I still study almost every single industry and see what's working and what's not working and just think creatively and innovatively about different ways to do things. You know, there are no there are no rules. You can really just kind of invent or create or provide or do your business however you want to do your business. And I think if you really get out of that traditional thinking and approach things that way, you can learn a lot from your competition mm-hmm. and you can learn a lot from others in your same industry. I have uh, three more questions and I'm going to go to rapid fire. Okay. Oh uh, boy. Dress. What do you recommend if you're going out to dinner with a client or you're going to a sports game? Like, does it matter what you wear? Um, are you asking me mm-hmm. personally? Like, <laughs> if I go out to dinner? I mean, with a client, with a work on a work related. 
Oh, like, are you saying, like, don't wear, like, low, like, cleavage stuff? Yeah, sure, if that's your piece of advice. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think that you should wear what makes you feel comfortable mm-hmm. and own it. Enough said. Mm-hmm. That's a good summary. Mm-hmm. What do you notice in your eye evolve business for people that, what do you think are the main, main challenges or blocks as themes that you notice people have as business owners or trying to advance in their career? Self-doubt. Time management, cash flow management, are a lot of the common themes. What tip? Any any off the cuff tips for any of those things? Well, with self doubt, I think that practicing manifestation is so important. Um, the act and the art of being as if the the place where you want to be, already being it and living it, versus um, you know it not even thinking about it or creating it or going there. Um, with time blocking, I, there is, I think it's just a matter of really mapping out your priorities and some are better at than others. And there's tons of different tactics and, and helpful tools to get you th- to that. And then the third, what was the third one I said? So cash flow. Cash flow. Yeah. I mean, if you're not, if you're not the finance person, um, make sure you have that, that person on your team that is. Uh, if you're not the numbers person, if it like really, it, you just turn into a bobblehead in front of your accountant, which it's okay. A lot of business owners are like that, um, that you just really know what are the key performance indicators in your business. If you don't know them, find somebody that can help you understand what they are and make sure you have that constant upward com- communication as a dashboard that you're looking at consistently, weekly, Got weekly. Got it. I'm going to switch to rapid-fire questions. Mm. These are literally unrelated to anything we've talked about, so just pick whatever comes to mind first. Okay. Okay. Grass or sky? Sky. Moon or sun? Sun. Ski or swim? Ski. Heels or flats? Heels. Manicure or pedicure? Pedicure. Sing or dance? Dance. Brick or stone? Brick. Last one, Netflix or cable? Netflix. All right. <laughs> You're funny. I like that. Oh, my goodness. Thank uh, you so much. Yeah, thank you. Anything else great. you want to add before we I think up? I think that uh, what I'd like to add is n- never, li- never limit yourself. And, you know, you can really create your own dance and story. And what you are today doesn't have to be who you are tomorrow. You can continually evolve and grow and there are lots of different things and resources out there and people that can help you and if people want to get in touch with you what is the best way to do that they can email me at you rock at i evolve consulting.com they can follow me on instagram at i evolve daily i'm also on linkedin under annette walter all right Thank you so much for doing Thank this. you. That was so much fun. You're awesome. Thank you. This is the Lauren Asgari podcast, How'd Her Career Get There? <laughs>